Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. All right, good day and welcome to In Awe by Bruce. Today we have Jason Mack on the line, who has created a new feature film called A Father's Legacy. It's a fictional story, but it's based on his thoughts and reflections about his own father and what a father means to a son and a son to a father. It's a story of legacy, redemption, and faith. And for those of us, like me, who didn't have a father in the house growing up, it still has some important points of reflection for us that I think will mean a lot when we walk away from the movie. Jason's an actor. He's a director. He's a writer, obviously. He's connected with shows like Criminal Minds, Vampire Diaries, Castle, lives in Los Angeles, and he obviously has a great love for storytelling, which you'll hear as we interview him. Jason, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, Bruce. Thanks for having me. No problem. And I, I just wanted to, I normally would maybe start off with you and tell me about you, but I, I think I want to start off today with, with a question for you. What is it that are the biggest points that you would want someone to walk out of this movie with? Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, the big thing that I want when people finish this movie is I want them to tell the people they love that they love them, mm -hmm. you know, especially if they have that opportunity. And, and I want them to think about the people that they have a chance to impact in their lives in a positive way, yeah. right? So the movie is very much, and I guess like the, the father-son kind of sub-genre, if you will, but it's also about our legacy as a whole. And that's not just our family, but that's the, the people that we have our daily interactions with, whether they're coworkers or, you know, a lot of times a coach to kids coming up or young athletes or, you know, mentors in business. And, and mm -hmm. all these are chances to impact people in a positive way. And, and that's going to really define our legacy long after we're gone. So why is a legacy important? Now that's, that's a great question. I think it's important in the sense of, uh, I mean, you know, that's a deeper question and I don't mm -hmm. know if it's meant to be a deep question, <laughs> yeah. is like what's legacy but like you know to me i remember like years ago and i'm getting a little older now but yeah. years ago i would look at someone like um tiger woods and his fame and notoriety in golf especially when he was just like at the top of the game and i was like they're gonna remember his name for years and years long after he's gone there'll probably be like some statues of him somewhere and you look at like some of the great cinema icons and athletes and and just mm -hmm. public figures, and it's like, oh, there's their legacy, right? And it's like so in your face, how many points they scored or, or how many like movies they made or, or trophies they won. But as I got older and, and started really like trying to figure out like what is, what is mine going to be? Because there was a time where I was like, yeah, I want, like, I want someone to build a statue for me. Absolutely. Yeah. But what's the impact I'm having on the people around me? And isn't that enough? right? If I can take someone's day and make it a little bit better, and mm -hmm. then they take that 
and they make someone else's day a little bit better. It's, that's a great legacy there. And especially when day after day, you, you do get a chance to interact with the same people. And I think of like a lot of coaches of mine coming up, like I was a big, big tennis player and I had yeah. very many coaches along the way who invested in me and I don't know if they did this intentionally, but they probably thought they were investing in me as a tennis player, mm-hmm. but they were really investing in me as a man and, yeah. and cultivating a lot of lessons and that I take with me. And, and a lot of how I operate now is, is from that athletic perspective. And a lot of those coaches formed that, whether it was knowingly or as a byproduct. And that's why I do think sports are great, but it's, it's that legacy of, of what are we, what are we giving to this person to take with them? And it can be positive or negative, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so legacy for me is has changed over the years. And I think for me, it's changed into a healthier definition because at the end of the day, like, you know, when I'm gone, I'm gone. Uh, what, right. who, who cares if I have a statue built for me? But would it be nice to be remembered? Sure. But it's like, you know, I'll impact the people that need to be impacted. And I think the the essence of what I want to get across, which is, which is hopefully a lot of love, is sometimes tough love is yeah. I hope that that's what gets passed on and that's what's going to be in my legacy in my wake when I'm gone. You know, I, I think that's that's right. It's if we boiled it down. What would people say about us when we're gone? Yeah. And 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 that really is going to be how we impacted those around us and and like I said even in love, you know, you saw Jesus had people that just didn't like what he said. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. most people even though they, you know, may have voted for him to go to the cross, I think still if they, if you looked at the essence of him, they'd be going. He cared for people. He reached out to people. He showed empathy. His love and his grace was there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, that's, I'd love people to say that about me. Yeah. So tell me more about your relationship with your father and the reflection on that 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 brought you to telling this story. You know, I didn't really reflect on my relationship with my father, you know, really in depth until he passed and he passed away unexpectedly. And that's what kind of spurred this on of like, there was this moment where it was a realization of it's a before and after there's, Mm -hmm. there's when my father was here and now there's when my father is gone. And knowing that one of my guardians is gone. They're no longer on this earth with me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, that was tough because I, I, even then I was living in Los Angeles. My family was in South Carolina. So it wasn't like my day to day was affected. Right. You know, like there was, they're like my waking up and operating and, and, and going to sleep, like didn't change. The only thing that was different was I couldn't call one person on the phone, but there was something about just like my DNA. I felt like there was just like a genetic shift. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, I, and through that mourning and grieving process, that's what kind of brought me to explore that and then being a storyteller. And it kind of merged with where I had ideas of where I wanted to go professionally in my creativity is, is I knew that I wanted to do a feature film. Mm-hmm. And, and this was around that time. And, and as I'm reflecting on this, I'm like, well, how can I, I was like, one, professionally, I want to do a feature film that I can, no matter what I can do, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of permission that you have to ask in this industry, especially in the the, the scope of financing and stuff like that. And yeah. so I was like, I need to do something where it's like, I don't have to ask permission. Like at the end of the day, 
hopefully, hey, we'll have a budget that, that we want and we feel comfortable with, but at the end of the day, we can do it no matter what. And so as I'm reflecting on, on these feelings with my father, I'm like, I want to tell people about these feelings because they're important to me and I feel like they're going to be important to others. And I can shoot this on my family's property at our pond house, which we did. And that's great because I don't have to pay for that because we own it. <laughs> and so that's saving some money. And a lot of people in the community really rallied around it. So it was like, I knew that no matter what, I would be able to tell this story. And the content of it was so important to me that yeah. that was the only way. Like I couldn't wait five, 10 years to do it. I had to tell this. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I also felt like I was the only one who could tell this story the way I felt like it needed to be told because it was, it was my story. So even though it's not a biography, it's a fictional story, I feel like I'm the only one who can do this and do it the way that I feel like it should be done. Would anything in there, uh, I don't want to spoil anything of the movie for people, but as we talk about, uh, we've talked about legacy, but kind of redemption and faith, either of those that you could talk about without revealing too much of the movie, maybe tantalizing? The movie is, is you have two guys who, it's about this young man who goes out in search of his father that he never knew. And in that process, he ends up doing some really stupid stuff and he's on the run from the law. Right. So already he's making some bad decisions and he ends up at this old man's house and uh, played by Tobin Bell in the film, who is I cannot speak enough things about Tobin and what he brought to the project just as a okay. craftsman and just as, as, a, as a just a beautiful man. And I'm so, so thankful that he was involved. So this young man shows up at this cabin and these two men who they both carry a lot of shame. They've both made some some pretty big mistakes, and and um, and they're struggling with who they are, and are they worthy? And these aren't topics that are like in your face. This isn't the kind of film where we're, we're taking a Bible and we're kind of like waving it at the audience. Right, um, right. It's not that kind of film. It's very grounded. It's it's very much for me and my experience with my own walk of faith is it's not a pretty walk on the beach. It's rocky and it's filled with some thorns and it's there's good moments and there's not good moments. And, you know, it's important for me to be authentic and real in that. In fact, the film opens with the old man praying and literally saying, I don't know if you're even listening, but if you are and who Oof. hasn't felt that way. And relatively, I mean, I guess I'm still younger. It depends on how I feel on certain days, but I'm older or younger. <laughs> it's like, I felt that way. I can only imagine what someone twice my age has felt. Right. Now, somebody might wonder, you know, Tobin Bell being the yeah. evil guy from Saw, <laughs> um, how he fits in this movie. By the way, I'm going to, I'll send him a note to tell him that you called him old. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but how, how did that come about? Why him? Before I really get into that, the trailer just released uh, as we're recording this, and the trailer just released like last week. So okay. a lot of people are seeing this trailer, and they're seeing they're seeing Tobin in it, and reading the comments, which you should never do, but yeah. I'm doing. Um, everyone's like, "Oh, this is like a Saw prequel. Like he's like teaching, you know, teaching this young man how to be the next Jigsaw." And I think they're really <laughs> funny. Like the comments, I think are really funny because I know, look, Saw's a billion dollar franchise. Yeah. And and he's an integral part of that. And um, but the way he came about in our project was one of the smartest things I did was I got a casting director, Matthew Sefik, 
Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to do that originally. I was going to be like, use my own connections from the Southeast, from Atlanta, and then also in LA and just kind of do it that way. But I was very fortunate that I got him and he sent out a notice in Los Angeles just to see like for what we were doing, who, who would be interested. And he was on that list and I started watching more of his stuff besides Saw, which I definitely yeah. seen. Um, I remember <laughs> the first one like messed me up. <laughs> it was scary. Uh, <laughs> twisted. <laughs> um, and I remember him on that list and his voice has oh, such yeah. a weathered gravitas towards it. It's like this is someone who has lived a life. And, and, uh, I just, whenever he spoke, I I believed him. And so I was fortunate enough that he was interested. I was able to have a meeting with him and he was, you know, we're fortunate enough that he, you know, he trusted me to go on this adventure with us. And, uh, you know, speaking of, and so the movie used to be called the old man and the pond. He knows I considered him old because he was going to (laughs) be the old man, but he showed up. I remember the first day of shooting. We're doing like, we're like digging like this, like spillway, this like ditch essentially. And I was like, hey, Tobin, I was like, are you comfortable with a pickaxe? And he's like, oh yeah, give it to me. (laughs) And he is going to town and it's hot in the South, humid, gnats all over the place. And he is working it with this pickaxe, with this shovel. I mean, he was just going to town and that was what he brought to it every single day. Jeez, that's great. Wow. And I'm excited. I mean, I'm really excited for people to see him in this because I know he's done many roles. He's had such a wonderful career. This is so different than what people know him for. And I'm so excited to see him in this kind of role. It's just, I mean, he just brings so much life to it. That's great. One thing you mentioned before when we were talking about faith, you said it's not waving the Bible in front of anybody or anything. But tell us, how does your faith work into this? What what in your faith ties in with your storytelling to get into this movie? Well, I think that was a part of it that was always kind of rooted into it because I can't help but when, when I think of that father-son relationship, for mm-hmm. me and my background, there's an element of also that Heavenly Father aspect. And it's hard to really reconcile this and wrap my head around, and I feel like I do it at like three seconds at a time. No matter what I do, there is a God, essentially a Heavenly Father, who loves me. Even when I make mistakes, even when I'm not living the life that maybe I had planned for myself or he had planned for me, I am loved, right? That doesn't mean there are consequences for our actions, but I am loved. I'm very much rooted in that, and I definitely believe in, in that God. And yeah. so that's very much a theme in this story, especially for this character that I play, Nick, because he has definitely made some mistakes, but there is a God who loves him. He's still going to have to answer for his actions, but there's a God that is there for him. He is redeemable. He is worthy. And I just wanted to weave that into the story. What was to me a realistic way. Yeah. Um, You know, I know there's a lot of films that have like, there's a, a a cool young pastor or, uh, a youth director and right. they carry around the Bible. And, the, and I think that there's a place for that. But this film was like, no, I'm going to take two broken people, two broken people. And we're going to see God work through them because that's real. 
And and if you do look at the story of Jesus, is like that's who like he hung out with the broken people a heck of a lot more than he hung out with anybody else. Right. And you know, of all times, I mean, you maybe didn't write it for this. Obviously, you wrote it for a, a personal reason. But today, with everything that we've gone through with uh, COVID and all that, it seems like there's a lot of brokenness and things that a lot mm-hmm. of us could look at and just say, is there an open-arm God out there waiting for us? And I can understand why that question is being asked. Yeah. I 100% can understand why it's being asked and why it's being questioned. And that's a real deep topic right mm-hmm. there that you can really get on. And, um, you know, the world is a, is a very complicated place. The more I try to understand it, usually like the less I do. And I just have to go back to what is my root and what is my belief. And my belief is I truly, honestly believe that the God I believe in, the one who sent Jesus, loves everyone. Mm-hmm. And I understand when I say everyone, I understand the implications of that. And I'm acknowledging that there's some really, really bad people, right? Right. They, we still have to answer for what we do, right? But I yep. do believe that there is a God who loves all. And unfortunately, there is there is pain on this earth. There's some really beautiful things, but mm-hmm. there is pain here as well. Yeah, there is. Hey, so tell us what got you into the storytelling and coming up to this point in your life. I and mean, what, what really drove you or how did storytelling stick in your head and all of a sudden go, I'd like to be a storyteller? You know, I think it came from a long time ago when... From a young age, but I don't think I I recognized it at the time because I was big into I like when I was in high school I wanted to be like a professional tennis player, Uh and then you know I got to like 17 and I'm like okay like I'm just not I'm not not good (laughs) enough you know and it's not for a lack of work or it's just like I'm just obviously that's not what I was put on this earth to do because I'm not good enough I kind of forgot about this but I remember I didn't want to go to college I wanted to like go to New York and and probably like be you know in my head I was like I'm going to be discovered and be like this like actor or or singer or whatever which and I can't sing so that was you know that shows you how (laughs) smart I was but um my mom was smart and and we went and looked at some schools I really liked a school and I ended up getting a degree in finance but I remember looking back how affected I was by film and TV and how it could bring out emotions in me that in like daily life, I really would try to suppress. Right. And growing up in in the South, especially as a young man, it's like, you're not really supposed to be that emotional. Right. Uh Right. And so film and TV would kind of unlock these things while you're watching. And it's like, Oh, it's kind of like, okay to feel when you're kind of absorbed in that. And I think that was something that really struck me. And I remember I was a sales director for RJ Rockers, which is a a microbrewery based out of South Carolina. So I'm driving up and down the East Coast selling beer to restaurants and and grocery stores. And 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 it was it was great. And I I mean, I had some uh, I worked with some phenomenal people and had wonderful, wonderful bosses that taught me what a boss should be like. But after doing it for a couple of years, I was like, is this what I want five years from now? Yeah, and, right. And really like, will I be happy if I stay on this path? What do I, in, in my true deepest of desires, what do I want? I don't mind if I fail, but I don't want to look back in like 20, 30 years and regret it. Exactly. That I didn't try. And it was like, I really like, I'm impacted by these stories. Like I want to, I want to impact people through stories. 
And so I didn't have any formal training. I'd never done any theater. So I started just auditioning for student films and short films and really a lot of a lot of just, I mean, the scripts were just awful, some of the things I did, but I didn't care. I was like, <laughs> just put me in front of the camera and because I didn't know any better, so I was going to make a bunch of mistakes anyway. Right. Um, and I did that, and I ended up booking uh, a movie for two weeks in Atlanta. So that was kind of like, all right, I guess I'm going to quit my job. And um, I went and slept on an air mattress <laughs> that kept <laughs> deflating throughout the night during this movie. And then I moved back home for a year, and I pretty much just traveled around the southeast just doing any little film that would cast me. Yeah. And um, from there, I got an agent in Atlanta. I stayed there for two years, and then I felt like, hey, you know what? Creatively, it's time to go to Los Angeles. And when I got to Los Angeles, that was really where I really took the next step because up to that point, I was really just an actor. And maybe I'd done a little writing, but um, I realized that I was never going to be as busy as I wanted to be as an actor mm-hmm. and that I couldn't wait on someone to give me the keys to direct. And yeah. so that's when I really started taking control of my own story and started doing some short films. And that's when I really, really just got in trouble because <laughs> that's when it was like, oh, this is this is it, right? Uh-huh. I feel so alive when I'm creating something. Uh-huh. And, um, and being a director, you have access to the entire chessboard. Whereas an actor, which I still, I still very much love, it's kind of a different muscle, but as an actor, you really only have access to yourself. Mm-hmm. But as a director, you have access to everything. There's probably like a little control freak in me, but like <laughs> that's fun. That's fun to be able to mold the light, uh, the atmosphere, the sound you put in in post, uh, the way you edit it, the actors, you can bounce them, you know, you can you can kind of pit them against each other in certain ways. Or yeah. I just really, really enjoyed that. That was a very long-winded, uh, my version of storytelling or, or how I got into it. The biggest thing is we're, we're excited for your film. We're excited for the message that it has and what it can mean to those relationships, father-son, son-father, and what you can learn from it, even if you didn't have, like me, a father in the house. So glad you're doing that. So glad you followed that, because I think God probably put that on your heart. And now we'll get to share in that. Is there any place that uh, you can direct people if they want to know more about you or things you're doing coming up? The first thing is the film comes out one night only in theaters on June 17th. And you can find out more there uh, about that at fathomevents.com. But otherwise, just the journey itself, I'm not on social media, but you can go to my website, imjasonmack.com, or you can also, the film, you can follow its Instagram and, and Facebook pages and, and stay up to date and on where to catch it. Okay. That is great, Jason. So thank you so much for taking this time and talking to us about, about your movie. Absolutely. Thank you, Bruce. All right. And we'll catch you later. <laughs>